You know, uh, a few years ago we were in Rwanda, as we were in Rwanda, and amazing things we experienced there and happened, and the people throughout the country love us to bits, uh, and we can't explain it or understand it. <clears throat> One day the Lord said to me, Dave, when Jesus entered the Jer Jerusalem on the triumphal entry, they weren't cheering for the donkey. You're the donkey. They love you because of who Jesus is in you. It's the glove. They love that. We can get confused and distracted sometimes. And I hear, you know, here you don't have a pastor and you're struggling and our, our sister got up here and wept in front of you and sometimes we go, what do we do with that, with these things? And so I just want to encourage you in something. It was, uh, this year is a year of jubilee. Did you know that? It's year of jubilee for my wife and me. Because this year, we marked 50 years of marriage. And for my wife, birthdays are a big deal. She, her birth, you don't forget her birthday. You'd be in big trouble. And so over time, birthday day, it just wasn't good enough. So she had to have birthday week. So different things happening throughout the week. And then as she gets older, all of a sudden it's a birthday month. All kinds of things happening. So now as we're trying to plan, what are we going to do for anniversary? It's August 3rd is the official day. And are we going to go on a trip? What are we going to do? Some event or whatever. And as I tried to bless my wife and try to figure out what to do, because looking up to one day, it's always a disappointment. And so I says, well, why don't we make it like it's a jubilee year? The whole year is our celebration of our, of our life together. She says, yeah, she likes that. So we do different things. We went out on a Valentine's date. We talked about that. You, earlier on, we did those things, but not for a long time. This year we did. We went out on a Valentine's date because it's Jubilee. It's time to celebrate. We're going out to a concert in Winkler in, in a couple of weeks. It's Jubilee. We do different things to celebrate. And we've asked the Lord, what do you have for us as a jubilee year? Don't know. But he's always got something good in store for us. We know that. In 1994, my wife and I joined Calvary Chapel in Steinbeck. And we were so frustrated with church and church leadership that we made a deal. And the deal was this. We'll go to church, we'll pray, and we'll tithe. And that's it. No leadership, nothing. Maybe teaching a Sunday school class, but everything else is out. We're done. We're just done with all that stuff. So the Lord says, okay, you give me that, that's good. And so we're the nobodies who, who are sitting in church, and the Holy Spirit starts speaking to me and waking me up and showing me different things. And I say, God, you know I'm nobody. Who do you want me to tell this to? He says, nobody. <laughs> I want you to pray. And I spent years, I couldn't walk in the door at Calvary Chapel without weeping. And I'd sit in the corner and weep, curled up and just weeping and weeping. I says, Lord, what is this? And he says, you said you'd do. The deal I had is I'd, whatever he told us to do, we would do it. So I told you to weep? Weep. Okay. 
and I would weep. And I love it when people weep. You know, the highest praise is to worship and praise God in the middle of weeping. And so any of you people that feel the anointing of weeping coming, embrace it. Weep away. You're in good company. Jesus wept. He wept over Jerusalem and in the city. So there we were at Calvary, praying and praying and weeping and praying. And doing only what the Holy Spirit tells us to do. In the middle of that, I got offered a job to move to Edmonton with World Vision. He says, woohoo, <laughs> we're out of this mess. It was a mess. So we met with John Micklefield, Ron McLean, Keith Miners, and these guys. And I said, look at this. God is providing a wonderful opportunity for us to get out of this mess. And they said, well, you can't go. I said, what do you mean you can't go? God has provided. No. They said, Dave, if you go, this church is done. God has called you and used you to replant this church. You can't go. I said, well, guess what? I said to him, it's not my church. It's God's church. And whether I'm here or not, whether it stays, survives, or dies, it's not on me. It's God's church, and it's up to him. Don't say it's my church. And they said, but you, so you have to stay. I says, you know, I could line up three other guys on the other side of the table that I respect just as much as you. And they would tell me, Dave, God is providing you a wonderful opportunity. You should go to Edmonton. So we were at an impasse. What were we going to do? So we prayed. And he says, Dave, what are you going to do? I said, I'm just tired of doing what people tell me to do all the time. And it just gets messed up over and over again. And if I do what God tells me to do and it gets messed up, I can live with that. But not everything else. Okay, but how are we going to decide? We said, we're going to pray. And he says, and if God makes it very, very clear what to do, we'll endeavor to do that. Whatever God tells to do, that's what we'll do. How will you know? I said, it's not my problem. God can create from nothing. He can move mountains and all these things. He could tell us what to do. His problem. So we covenanted together that we would know that we know. And John Mick says, Dave, in your level of maturity, don't assume an open door is God's leading. You might have to close a door. And, and since then, I've come to understand that an open door, if an open door is always God saying, go ahead, then we'd all be sleeping with prostitutes tonight because their door is always open. So let's be careful, shall we? What is God saying to do? Let's be clear on that. And so... That night, my wife and I were happy with that. And that night, we went to bed, minding our own business, and the Lord Jesus comes to me in a dream, as vivid as you're sitting here. I'm going to tell Lynn the next morning, and she says, yeah, we got to stay. And so, we stayed. Called World Vision. I says, don't bother coming for the meeting. There's no reason. He says, but you have to. We, we, I'm coming to Winnipeg. Let me meet anyway. If that doesn't work out, then we can proceed. I says, there's no if that doesn't work out. He says, you're burning the ships. I said, I'm burning the ships in the bay. I'm burning the bridges. I'm burning everything. God has spoken. I want you to stay here. I wish I could say that we had wonderful, blissful, exciting things happen in the church after that. But we didn't. We had three more years of absolute junk. Only do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. When he called us to Rwanda, what's the Holy Spirit telling us to do? Do only what he tells us to do. 
And the Lord showed me, Dave, you know, when you go walking with your dog, you've got him on a long leash. And he says, it doesn't work with you that way, Dave. No, 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 no. Shorten up the leash, six-foot leash. And then he says, no, no, no. Let me grab you by the collar. This is how we're going to do life. Grab you by the collar. Do only what the Holy Spirit tells you to do in the moment. It's immediate, yes. Immediate, yes. And so I can see now when I look back at our 50 years of marriage together, boy, we had an amazing plan of what to do and how to do it. We didn't. And I'm a hot clue. But looking back now, I can see what happened. And I can make sense from it. So I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Do only what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. As evidenced in God's word, pray, fast and pray. When you're in agreement, and if you're not in agreement, then don't proceed. You have to be in agreement. And agreement is possible because Jesus died, and he says that in John 17. So don't say, well, we have to move on. No, 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 no. I think God is sick and tired. If he's not, at least I am, sick and tired of people moving on because they've got majority rules. No, 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 no. Unity. So I just want to encourage you. And that, that, that was for free. That, that was just... Humble tri- trail, the, ro- the road of love. Hmm? Ah, I got water there. Probably not such a loud bottle either. Navigating through life filled with landmines. Interesting facts about life. Lord, I give you this morning. Holy Spirit, you have a plan. You always do. And when we finish this morning, we'll look back and we'll see. There it was. Your plan. Lord, may we not see, oh, we missed it. May we know that we saw you. Did you know that there's landmines in 78 countries right now, scattered throughout the countries? Did you know that 15 to 20,000 people get killed every year by landmines? 80% of the people killed are civilians, not soldiers or nothing. Matter of fact, the majority of people killed are children. Most are killed in times of peace, not in times of war. There's 164 nations that signed what was called the Ottawa Peace Accord. And it says, no longer produce, manufacture, store, or put out landmines. There's three countries that did not sign that peace treaty. China. Russia, and then just in case we get self-righteous, USA. There's landmines everywhere. So what happens when a landmine goes off? It's that quick. A kid is out running in the playground, and the parent says, stop. Okay. 
Then you hear the click, and the foot comes off from the click, and they're dead. Or maimed. This is life. We make mistakes. First click, we've stepped on the landmine. This is where we start getting desperate now. Oh, I shouldn't have stepped on this. No, you shouldn't have. Well, I, I, I read about, about how maybe to get out of this. Can I go check what I studied and what I read? No, you can't. You've stepped on the landmine. Without help, you're dead. Kaboom. I preached in Morris years ago. When I got done preaching, and the Lord says, Dave, you really messed up. You're just so full of yourself, so you're arrogant and proud, and you're touting about how great you are. So I'm just sick of it. Sick of it. Driving home from Morris, I felt the Holy Spirit take me out back and throw me in the woodshed. Says, we'll talk later. Driving home, Lynn looks at me and says, Dave, what was that? That was not a blessing. What was that? The next morning, I call Ed Friesen from Morris Church, and I says, Ed, I've I really made a mistake. You see, I know we already had an elders meeting. <laughs> That's a bad sign. I, I says, I'm, I really stepped on it, right? And it, he says, yeah, we know you did. But Dave, when you come and you bring a word from the Lord, it's like we're hearing from the Lord. We're just tired of you. Can you go to the Lord now and bring us what the Lord gives you? And so they helped me. They allowed that not to happen because they cared for me. We mess up. But whether or not we blow up is up to everybody else around us. When people here mess up, are they going to blow up? It's up to you. It's up to you. Somebody stepped on it. Somebody made a mistake. A youth, a Somebody, anybody, older person. But whether or not they blow up is up to people around them. Hang on. So we're living in, a, in fear. I'm no longer a slave of fear. Fear is all around us. What are we going to do? What about this? What about that? Everywhere there's fear, fear, fear. And if we, in, in, and did you know there's countries who figured out how to clear landmines from fields? I read about that too in preparation. And what they discovered, if they throw a soccer ball out there when there's a bunch of kids around, it'll help clear the landmines. Because the kids will run out there and play soccer. Yeah, 3,000 kids got killed, but the landmines are gone. That's a pretty somber thought, isn't it? This is the world we live in. And we are to be the salt and light in the world. And we can only make it together. 
we can only make it together. Because each of us at some time will do that. And when we do that, we need to go, mm, help. Then when people help us off, we're okay, so we don't talk about it. Don't spread that news. Don't hold it against people. No. Now we're going to move on on the slide. Humble trail, the road of love. So God put it into our hearts. My wife and I have given her life to discipling one by one. Discipleship is not done from the pulpit. Discipleship is not done in big crusades. Discipleship is done one at a time as we walk with people. That's what Jesus did. That's what he told us to do. And years ago when people asked, Dave, what's your plan, your strategy for building the church at Calvary? Now that you're a leader there, I said, well, I'm going to train a disciple, whoever is in front of me, and then and I'm just going to do what Jesus tells me to do. Well, that's no strategy for building a church. No, no, you got it. That doesn't work that way. Said, well, that's kind of what Jesus told us to do. And I'm going to try it, that and see what happens. And they laughed at me. We brought in Andrew Micklefield. They laughed at me. That's going to be your senior pastor? That's not how you build a church. The ministerial, they laughed at me. So, well, I'm going to do it. 11 years later, when he was gone, then Rob Belfort came in, introduced him to the ministerial. Oh, you have a new youth leader. No, no, he's going to be our senior. What? That's not how you build a church. That's what Jesus said to do. I'm going to try that. Do only what Jesus says, and I can guarantee you, you will have trouble. If you don't want trouble, then don't do what Jesus says. But trouble will come later. So, here's the, the policy of how to make disciples. Don't walk ahead of me. I might not follow. You know, if you think you're a leader, and turn around and see who's following you. If there's nobody following you, you're just going for a walk. You're not leading anything. Who's following you? Huh? Don't walk ahead of me. I might not follow. Don't walk behind me. I might not lead. Just walk beside me and be my friend. That's what Jesus did. Let me be your friend. Let me walk beside you. And then he says, I'm going to die and I'm going to go to heaven because I want to be everybody's friend and I want to walk with everybody. But if I stay a human being, I can only do that with one person at a time. But I've got to be able to do it with everybody. So he did that. So we're going to take some instructions now from Jesus. Next one. Thank you. Please. What to do, what to do. Make a disciple. God called, me to, called us to train leaders of leaders of leaders, to train national leaders. Well, that sounds pretty heady, doesn't it? Do you know how you train national leaders? You have to train people who are not in any leadership position anywhere. They're nobodies. Train the nobodies, and then God will choose what to do with them. Because once somebody's in those leadership positions, they're already set in their ways. It's too late. Kaput. Finished. Train the ones that aren't in any leadership. Prepare them to be leaders of leaders of leaders. 
Prepare them to do what Paul says, follow me as I follow Jesus. So when we disciple people, we teach them to follow Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. On the left side, I have the uh, Holman Christian Study Bible. On the right side, I have the First Nations Bible because I love it and it says it in a simple way. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus, you don't have to figure out whether or not you're weary and burdened and heavy laden. You don't have to figure that out. Because Jesus says, I can see you are all weary and heavy laden. And if you claim you're not, well, Jesus says you are. You can't do it. You can't do what you're supposed to do. And we get exhausted and beyond words to to try and, and do it. We are all weary. Come close to my side, Jesus says. You whose hearts are on the ground, you who are pushed down and worn out, and I will refresh you. It's just a musical way of saying it. So when we're weary, we just can't do it anymore. Then we weep, and the Lord says, come to me. We were in Rwanda many times, and this time, one of the first times we did a tour throughout the country, and we were The first session was with about 22 of the national leaders in this church. And they just removed the official national leaders at gunpoint and thrown them in prison and put these new guys in to lead the church. And these are the guys we're working with. And they were sitting like this. And the Lord had showed us before we went, you're going to go into the room and People are going to be ready to kill each other. And when you walk in, don't say anything. Just watch. So walked in. And we could see it. They're all sitting like this. And they were ready to get each other. And I couldn't say anything. And I stood in front of them. And you know what God did? He showed me what was going on. What are you going to say? National leaders of a church are two and a half million members, and you know that you know they're ready to kill each other. Well, then don't be surprised with whatever is happening in the church. And God says, here you are, Dave. We brought you here now. And so I stood in front of them and did the only thing that made sense because I had no control over my faculties. I started weeping. They don't respect a man who cries, Nevertheless, a man who weeps. For three years as I wept at Calvary, and I says, Lord, why am I forever weeping? And he says, Dave, there's much to weep over. I've chosen you to weep. So weep. You and your families that are broken and shattered, weep. Embrace it. Standing before them, weeping. My whole body was shaking. I couldn't control myself. I turned my, my back to them. He was weeping. He says to the Lord, you got really bad timing, you know. I'm supposed to speak to these leaders and you know, get things going, and I'm weeping. And you know, they don't respect a man who cries, never mind weeps. And 
so what's up with this? And I couldn't speak. And I turned around and looked at them. And slowly, their hands came down and they started relaxing. I hadn't said anything yet. And the Holy Spirit was moving. And he says, Dave, God sent you here with a message. Bring it. Okay. So we spoke the truth in the moment. Oh, and things went so smoothly and so greatly after that. <laughs> it was horrible. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for yourselves. Follow my teachings. Learn from me for I am gentle and humble. Do only what I tell you to do. That's what he's saying. Do only what I tell you to do in the moment. Only that. Preparing to go to Rwanda, all the teachings I prepared, and the Holy Spirit says, Dave, just, no. All the studies and stuff you've done was to get you ready. I'll give you what you need when you need it. That's a scary thought. Just do what I tell you to do. When I tell you to do it. Why? Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. First time I preached in Rwanda. First time. I was introduced and one of the deacons stood up and he said, God has sent us a prophet from Canada. I'm the associate pastor of a small chapel in Canada. I'm the definition of nobody. God's got nerve. And so when I got up to preach, and he says, and this is an educated congregation, we don't need a translator, we want PowerPoint, and just bring us what you have. And so all their academics were in one side of the room, and all the top brass of church, two and a half million member church. I mean, there's a lot of brass there, right? And they wanted to see, what's this guy going to bring us? What's he got? And so I stood up and I started preaching. The PowerPoint went. I don't think he'd ever worked PowerPoint. It's flitzing on and off and things are flashing. Everybody's going, oh, what's that? What's that? And as I'm talking, I could see nobody's connecting, you know? I could see it just wasn't working. What do you do when it's not working? You stop. So I stopped. It's a Pentecostal church. I'm walking around, pacing around on the platform, not knowing what to do. My wife behind me, she sees, ah, Dave's in trouble. She starts praying, praying in tongues. This Baptist Mennonite woman praying in tongues back there. Who ever heard of such a thing? Well, her husband's in trouble. Somebody's got to pray. So I'm walking around on the platform, and I'm praying, and I'm praying in tongues into the microphone. Three years later, somebody says, Dave, you prayed in tongues into the microphone. Is it Pentecostal church? Says, yeah, but there's rules about how you pray in tongues. Oh, they got rules about everything. Three years later, they told us what happened. Says, you prayed in tongues into the microphone. Says, I did. In the middle of that, then the vice legal representative comes up and stands in front of me and says, Dave, we've got a problem here. We're going to solve it. Okay, public tongue is given. Now here's interpretation. Turn off the PowerPoint, it's distracting. 
you need a translator. We don't understand your accent. John Paul, you come up here and translate. Looks at me. Now give us the word you, you were told, told to give us. Three years later, we found out why they love us so much. This is Dave, that morning when, uh, when you prayed in tongues, the Holy Spirit fell on the whole congregation. And we hadn't encountered him for years. And there he was. <gasps> Dave, we didn't know a white man could have the Holy Spirit. Could move in the Spirit. It was amazing. A white man with the Holy Spirit. Who knew? I said, what in the world have we been doing when we come here? Didn't know. I says, what? and, and we, we hadn't been praying in tongues. Says, Why not? We forgot. We forgot. Just do what he tells you to do. Walking around, not knowing what to do. What do I do? I pray in tongues. Okay, pray in tongues. What do I do now? Three years later, I find out what was happening. Not in the moment. My wife always likes to know what the plan is. How things are going to roll out. You know, she had quite the time in Rwanda. <laughs> in the moment, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Dave, can you pray? Yes. Can you pray in tongues? Okay. What else am I going to do? Nothing. I'm, I'm stuck here. We'll just do that. And as I do that, the Holy Spirit comes. How does God do amazing things in and through people? Just do what he tells you to do. And see what happens. If you're looking for the amazing thing, it'll never happen. The amazing thing comes when you do simple obedience. Hmm. So that we have in Matthew. Then we go to John, chapter 15, where Jesus is speaking. He says, my father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Much fruit. What's the fruit we're looking for? Well, make disciples. Make disciples. It's that simple. Jesus had a favorite disciple. John the Baptist. Not John the Baptist, pardon me. John, the disciple. John, the disciple he loved. Ah. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he says to John, here's your mom, mom, here's your son. He had a favorite I know us Mennonites don't like that. That's okay. I was my mom's favorite. <laughs> but my brother thought he was, and my sisters thought they were, but that's okay. Make disciples. John was a disciple. Peter, James, and John were the next favorites. They would go up Mount Transfiguration in the garden. He invited them up. Then he had the 12. And in the middle of the 12, he had Judas, who stole money, and he put him in charge of the money. What kind of guy does that? We want to expose him, do an expose, uh, uncover it, put him in prison. Jesus says that you're always going to have thieves. And if you're going to try and eliminate all them, you're going to waste your time. What you're not going to be doing is making disciples. Why don't you focus on what I ask you to do? Make disciples. I loved in, in Rwanda teaching this, and trying to make the point, because we discovered from about 32, 3,300 pastors, I think I met two times a pastor who had a disciple. What's wrong with the church when there's no discipleship? 
when there's no disciples. Everything is wrong. And then we add discipleship as a program, something we're going to do. If discipleship is not number one, then it's nothing. And I, I love telling these African guys that, you know, when your daughter gets married, a year later, you're looking for something, right? You're waiting for something. Now, in Rwanda, that the culture is very aware of what you want a year after somebody's married. <laughs> I want a grandbaby. What's happening? And so you've been married a year, and you go home to visit your parents, and you don't have a grandbaby and no sign of anyone, and the parents are starting asking, are you guys okay? Like, you're healthy? Everything's okay? Yeah, yeah. You love each other? Yeah. They get quite personal and pokey about it. Because, where's my grandbaby? And you can tell them, but look all these projects we're doing, and work we're doing, and all this amazing stuff over here. And the parents are going... So that's keeping you busy, and that's why I don't have a grandbaby? Is that why? Because I want a grandbaby. Jesus said as he left, go and make disciples. Give me a grandbaby. Oh, look at all these things we're doing. All these projects, building things, all, all this. Okay, but where's this? Because Jesus says, as you do all that, building in those things, you make disciples as you do it. Whatever you're doing, make disciples as you do it. As you go fishing, hunting, whatever. Building, business, make disciples as you do it. That's everything. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove me, and prove to be my disciples. So Jesus, Jesus says, if I'm doing a good job, in discipling you, you will go and make disciples. But if you're not, then somehow I failed. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. I like how the indigenous says, I have loved you. Never stop walking this road of love. Just don't stop walking that road. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love by doing what the Father told me to do. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The joy there is a, a, dis, a disproportionate happiness. You know, it's an in-your-face joy when somebody doesn't really want you to be happy. Um, we experienced this again in Rwanda when John Paul uh, was, we were working with discipling kids and just getting going. It was not yet really successful in going, but the struggles he was going through were horrendous. And in the middle of that, he was going to get offered a job, sounds a lot like me in World Vision, he was going to get offered a job by Compassion, which would give him a, a good position, a salary, retirement, everything. It was just God's answer, God's prayer had answered. And so he comes to sit with us in our home in Rwanda, we'd rented, and he says, Dave, I, I got to talk to you about this job offer, and, and they're going to let me know like in two days. I said, oh, just now you're talking to me? He says, yeah. I didn't want to talk to you sooner because I knew what you'd say. <laughs> I, so you've made up your mind. Well, it, it, it's God's provision. 
I said, then why don't you just do it? He said, well, our relationship says that we need to be together. I said, okay. So he told me about this job. I asked a bunch of different questions, and there's no way I could bless him. Because I saw it as the enemy trying to take him off of the path that he was supposed to be on. But I got no business telling anybody what he's supposed to do. When you train a disciple, you do not tell them what to do or what not to do. You challenge them to defend what they want to do from Scripture, from the Holy Spirit, but do not tell them what to do. Question, do a lot of those things. And when I give counsel advice, and somebody says, I did that because you told me to. Oh, no, don't tell me you're doing what I'm telling you to do. Oh, 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 that's trouble. Now I can't speak my peace because I'm responsible for everybody. No, 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 no. Each of us is responsible for our choices. And so I said to him, I said, okay, here. I couldn't make peace with it, so I prayed. I said, okay, I'll give you the blessing and I'll pray. So I prayed and I said, Father, here's John Paul, and he has this opportunity in front of him, and he sees it as a gift from you, as a way to be set free. And Father, you know that I don't agree with him. And Father, you know we can't both be right. So either John Paul's right or I'm right. But we both only want what you want, Father. We do not want something that is not you. We're both agreed on that. And so, Father, will you open doors no one can close and close doors that no one can open and make things clear? Amen. And he says, boy, that's a very serious prayer. I said, but now we're, we're still in unity, aren't we? We both want what the Lord wants. And he just, the Lord's going to make it clear. So he went back the next day, and then he came to see us at the end of the day, and he said, he'd gone to the meeting, and they'd all said before, we all knew who we were going to hire. John Paul was here at the top of the heap, and everybody else was a mile down. He was the number one candidate for everything. But they said to each other, before we hire him, why don't we go home tonight and pray and just ask the Lord if this is really what he wants? Aha, cha-ching! If everybody wants only what the Lord wants. So John Paul went in and he sat down for the meeting. He said, John Paul, we don't understand. We all love you. You're the best candidate. You're the most fantastic person ever. You're the only one who makes any sense. But all of us, to a person, this morning came back and says, don't hire John Paul. I was so happy. Oh, I was doing a happy dance. Ooh, 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 and singing praises. I was just happy, happy, happy. John Paul and Dina were there, and Dina says, Dave, you're not a blessing. <laughs> I'm not happy. Okay, okay, okay. I'll do the happy dance inside and cool down. My joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. When you obey the Lord in spite of everything, when everybody says, no, these other things make more sense, but the Lord has clearly spoken what you are to do. And when you obey the Lord, then even when difficulties and challenges and problems come, you, you want to dance. And people say, why are you dancing in the middle of this mess? I just can't help it. God is speaking and moving. And surely good will come from this. No one has greater love than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. 
You are my friends if you do what I command you. If you do what I command you. Humbled ourselves. And so that goes for each of us. For kids, God speaks to you. Tells you all kinds of things that he wants to do. I I encourage you to have a journal and write about it in there. What God's telling you to do. Write it down. Then you say, God, is this really what you're saying? This is nuts. Write whatever you want to write. And just see what happens. See what happens. You don't have to convince anybody of anything. It's just you and the Lord. And the Lord loves to speak with us. And if you don't believe that, then just... As years ago, one time I wondered, Lord, do you really want to talk to me about all these things all the time? So I says, okay, here's the deal, Lord. You wake me up at 2.12. 3.07. Pick a number, any number. Throw it back at him. Well, Lord, if it's important, you wake me up at that time. Be careful. (laughs) And then when you wake up, and you get frustrated, why can't I go to sleep? Then look at your clock and the light will go on. Ah, God wants to talk to me. It's about relationship, fellowship. And you can be up, for me, I can sometimes be awake a couple hours in the night. In the morning, you're no more tired. Don't worry about it. Do what he tells you to do, when he tells you to do it. So, Father... Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here at Landmark. Don't have a pastor. What about leaders? What about youth? What about the women? What about what the community says and thinks and does? What about the guys that are here? What about, what about, what about? Father, you see everything. And you know everything. And you're not wringing your hands. You're not walking around in heaven saying, what am I going to do in landmark, man? You have a perfect plan. It's to bring you glory. To bring you honor. No one person is going to come up with a great master scheme because then one person can get the credit. No, 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 no. You might give the idea through kids, little girls. I mean, you... You've done that before in the Bible. Why not now? Father, we do know that you want your light to shine here. We do know that you want these people to be salt and light here. No doubt about it. So, Father, your kingdom come. Your will be done in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.